0: ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له فاشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له فاشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger. This morning, bi ta'ala, we would like to continue in the series of lectures dealing with the brief explanation of the evidences of the shuruot of La ilaha illallah. Adillatu La ilaha illallah. Adilatul shuruot of La ilaha illallah And these uh, evidences are taken from the essay of Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, Rahimahullah With a brief explanation From Shaykh Ubaid al-Jabiri Allah uh, In the previous lecture we have mentioned three of the shuruot of La ilaha illallah Al-ilm, wal Yaqeen wal-ikhlas Al-ilm, the knowledge, and it means the knowledge of the meaning of la ilaha illallah, what it negates and what it confirms, that it negates worship for other than Allah, and confirms that worship is for Allah alone. As for al-yaqeen, it is kamal al-ilm, the perfection of knowledge, any yani knowledge to its fullest extent after which there is no doubt, there is no sheikh or ray. No. Now. as for the third condition of La ilaha illallah, that is al-ikhlas, al-ikhlas. It is the opposite of it is the opposite of ash-shirk, of the conditions. Or the shirat of La ilaha illallah is that a person has to make this statement or pronouncement or confession, uh, making that statement purely for the sake of Allah alone, without associating anyone in it, and yani avoiding shirk. The fourth condition or shart of La ilaha illallah. The fourth uh, condition of La ilaha illallah is the Munafi Lil للكذب وَالْمَانِعِ مِنَ النِّفَاقِ yani The fourth condition is الصِدْقِ or truthfulness that the person should make this pronouncement or this confession or testimony truthfully. That صِدْقِ which negates lying and which prohibits hypocrisy it prevents hypocrisy. If the person is truthful in their statement of لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا then they would have avoided lying and they also will have avoided Hypocrisy and nifaq Because they have said it out of truthfulness and sincerity Then the Shaykh mentions Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab Mentions three evidences Two verses of the Quran and a Hadith Of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The first of those evidences He said The evidence for this condition of Al-Sidq or truthfulness It is the saying of Allah In Surah al ankabut Chapter 29 verses 1 through 3 Alif laam mim, أحسب الناس أَيُطْرَقُ يقولوا أَمَنَّا وَهُمْ لَا يُفْتَنُونَ ولقد فتن الذين مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ فَلَا يَعْلَمَنَ اللَّهُ الذين صَدَقُوا وَلَا يَعْلَمَنَ الْكَاذِبِينَ The saying of Allah, Alif laam mim, أحسبَنّا وَهُمْ لَا يُفْتَنُونَ Any do the people think that they will be left alone? or upon saying that we believe, would they be left alone on just saying from their tongue that we believe and that they will not be tested after that? Indeed, we have tested and tried those who were before them, the believers in the previous Prophet. When they claimed to believe in Allah, then they were tested with trials and tribulations to confirm the correctness and the legitimacy of their claim of iman. فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ الَّذِينَ وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ And through these tests and trials, through the tests and trials, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make known, He will bring forth the manifestation of those who are truthful in their statement of La ilaha illallah and those who are كاذبين, كاذب, kathib", lying. As صدق it removes lying. The one who is truthful will not be a liar. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests the one who says la ilaha illallah in order to manifest and to bring out so it will be known to others. While Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already knows without testing them who who, who from amongst them are truthful and who from amongst them are lying. The second evidence that Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2. Verses eight and nine, uh, or eight and nine and ten. The saying of Allah: Wa min al-nas mayyqoolu billahi wa l-yum al-akhir, wa ma hum bimu'minin yuqaduunallah wa al-dhinn aamanu, wa ma ykhda'ouna illa anfushum, wa ma yash'oorun fi kullubhim maradun, fazadhumallah marba. وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْذِبُونَ But from amongst the people are those who say by their tongue, we believe in Allah on the last day. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ From amongst the people there are some, مَنْ يَقُولُ وَأَمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَبِالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَمَا هُمْ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ They say that they believe in Allah on the last day, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala negates their iman. He says, وَمَا هُمْ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ But they are not believers I and mean, this is the case of the hypocrites who say, La ilaha illallah, but not with صدق, not truthfully, but كذب, lying. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning them, يخادعون الله والذين امنوا That they seek to deceive Allah and those who believe. وما يخدعون إلا انفسهم. But they do not deceive anyone except their own self. وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ And they do not deceive it, they are not aware. They seek to deceive Allah by the false lying profession of لا إله إلا الله. While it is not in their heart, the iman that supports it, they seek to de- deceive Allah and those who believe by their statement, but they only deceive them- themselves while they are not aware that the deception is only falling on themselves. Then Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says فِي قُلُوبِهِم مَرَضٍ that in their hearts is a disease, the disease of hypocrisy and nifaq. They claim on their tongue to believe while in their heart there is kufr. This is nifaq, hypocrisy. The one who claims to believe while in the heart they do not believe. في قلوبهم مرض. In their hearts is a disease, hypocrisy and doubt. فَزَادَهُمُ الله So Allah increased their disease. وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ عَلِيمٌ بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْذِبُونَ And for them it's a terrible punishment because of their lying. Because of their lying when they claimed to believe. They were lying. It was كذب. It was not صدق. It was not truthfulness. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the end of this verse says that they have a heart, a disease in their heart because of their hypocrisy. Then Allah in this world punishes them by increasing their disease. And this is based on the principle that the Shaykh mentions in the Sharq that uh, the action or the sin or the crime that a person commits would be rewarded and equally or similarly Al-Jaza'u Min jins Al-Amal Al-Jaza'a, the reward or recompense for one's action Min jins Al-Amal will be similar to the deed that one has done whoever has done good, then Allah will reward them with good and whoever has done evil, Allah will reward them with evil Uh, here also in this verse there's the mention of their punishment in the next life and that is azabun aleem A terrible punishment because they used to lie As for the evidence from the sunnah Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab he says وَمِنَ السُنَّةِ مَا ثَبَتَ فِي الصَّحِيْهَيْنِ عَنْ مُعَذٍ بِنْ جَبَلْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلِيهِ وسلم. قَالْ مَا مِنْ أَحَدٍ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ صِدْقًا مِنْ قَلْبِهِ إِلَّا حَرَّمَهُ اللَّهِ عَلَى النَّارِ In this hadith, the proof from the sunnah is that which is confirmed in al sahihain And as Shaykh al-Albani says in the checking of Mishkat that this hadith uh, is not reported in the Sahih of Muslim. Perhaps it is recorded through another chain or similar wording. In any case, imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab says, it is confirmed in a Sahihain from Mu'az bin Jabal radiallahu anhu from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he said that there is no one, ma min ahadin, there is no one who testifies that there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. There is no one who testifies to this. صدقا من qalbihi يعني truthfully from his heart saying it truthfully from his heart إلا حرمه الله على النار except that Allah would prohibit him He would prohibit the fire from touching that person Allah سبحانه would prohibit the fire from harming that one who testifies to this shahadatain the statement of La إله إلا الله and Muhammad Rasulullah, truthfully from their heart Whoever says it truthfully, then it would be a help for him and a protection for him from the hellfire. Then the Shaykh mentions after this uh, the discussion of the explanation of these evidences of Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, rahimahullah. The Shaykh Ubaid al-Jabari, hafizukhullah, he says, as for the statement, the saying of Allah, al lam, Meem, and in the statement of Allah from Surah Al-Anqabut He said that Al-Imam al bagawi The great scholar of Tafsir Rahimahullah says Concerning these verses from Surah Al-Anqabut Nas. Lamine Do the people think, do they imagine, do they believe ay yutraquo, ay yakuulu, la He said do they think that they would be left Without being tested And without being tried By merely saying By merely saying on their tongue that we believe, do they think that they would be left and they would not be tested and they would not be tried? That they would not be tested in their wealth or with their lives? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might test them by taking some of their wealth or taking some of their lives or their health? Do they think that they would be left alone by merely professing belief on the tongue and then they would not be tested through their wealth and their lives? It is not so. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Imam al-Baghawi says, Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, would test them. Allah will test them in order to make clear and to distinguish the mukhlis, the one who is sincere with ikhlas, from the munafiq, the one who is a hypocrite. And to distinguish as sadiq, the truthful one who has sidq, from the kathib, the liar who speaks with kathib. Then he says, al-Imam al-Baghwi goes on to say that another explanation of this ayat, it has also been said, وَهُمْ لَا يُفْتَنُونَ Do they think they will be left alone on saying they believe without being tested or tried? Yani tested or tried he said, بِالْأَوَامِرْ nawahi," With the commands of Allah and the prohibitions of Allah. Do they think that they would be left to say they believed and then they would not be tested? But they would not be required to fulfill the commands of Allah and to avoid the prohibitions of Allah. And that is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at first He only required of them al-Iman. Yani they were required to believe. And after that, the Salat and the Zakat and the other Islamic laws were legislated. And when those laws were legislated, it became difficult for some of them. They found difficulty in it. So Allah revealed this ayah. Do, do they think that they would be left alone on saying they believe and they would not be tested or tried? They would not be required to fulfill the commands of Allah and to avoid his prohibitions and to enact the other requirements of the sharia? Do they think that they would not be uh, required to do so? Then he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consoled them with the verses that follow. مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ That indeed we have tested those before them. Meaning that the Prophets and those who followed the Prophets, the believers of the previous nations, that indeed, they were tested. So the believers in the time of the Prophet wasallam, if they found difficulty in being tested, they should know that the believers in the previous Prophets from the previous nations also were tested. And then the Shaykh says that some of them were tested by their bodies being sawn, by a saw being sawn into two parts. And the Prophet wasallam. In the authentic hadith he has mentioned to some of his companions when they were losing patience and asking when will the help of Allah come, he said do you know that some of the believers from the previous nations that they were tested by being tied down and then their body being sawn into two parts. And some of them were tested by being killed in other ways. And the Bani Israel, the children of Israel, the followers of Musa alayhi salam, they were tested by Firaun and what he inflicted upon them. Indeed, He inflicted upon them a terrible punishment. And that was a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those who said that they believed to see those who are truthful and those who are lying. And the words of Allah, فَلَيَعْلَمِنَّ اللَّهِ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا So that Allah would make known and He would manifest those who are صَادِق, those who are truthful in their saying آمنا, when they said we believe, Allah will make manifest who are truthful in their statement الكاذبين, and He will make known those who are كاذب, liars, who are claiming on their tongue what is not in their heart and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He already knows, He is the best knower of the people, those who are truthful and those who are liars even before He tests them because Allah his knowledge is all-encompassing of everything that has existed and everything that will exist. Allah knows the details uh, as well as the general matters. The meaning of this ayah says Al-Imam Al-Baghawi, it means that Allah will make apparent and he will make it known. Who are the sadiqeen, the truthful, uh, distinguishing them from the Kazibeen, the liars until it becomes something that is well-known. Until he brings it out so everybody will see, Allah already knows. But he will make it manifest so that other people will see. And this is the end of what the Shaykh wanted to quote from these verses from the Tafsir of Al-Baghawi. Rahimahullah. After that he mentions some discussion concerning the second evidence of Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab from Surah Baqarah chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. The saying of Allah, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ يَقُولُ بِاللَّهِ وَبِالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرُ That from amongst the people are some who say we believe in Allah in the last day, and they are not really believers. There are some from amongst them who are munafiqun. They are not truthful in their claim to iman, to the end of those ayats. The shaykh says concerning this, that this is information from Allah, the mighty and the majestic. Concerning the way of the munafiqoon. What was the behavior or the manner of the munafiqoon? It was manifesting or openly showing iman. By professing it on their tongue. While concealing kufr, disbelief which was in their hearts. That is the way of the munafiq. That he displays iman openly. And he claims it by his tongue. But in his heart there is kufr. And this is due as they claim to deceive Allah and to deceive the believers so that the believers will be misled and that they will be inclined towards them, i.e. that they will accept them. However, the result is the opposite due to their deception. The result of their effort to deceive the believers is that Allah subhanahu wa Taala calls them only to deceive themselves however they are not aware of it they are not even aware that they are the ones who are deceived and this is due to the uh, extreme their extreme ignorance their extreme ignorance and due to their evil intentions that which motivated these people to engage in this deceit and this lying it was the sheikh the doubt that was in their hearts and it was the hypocrisy that was in their hearts and this is what is understood from the saying of Allah, فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ فَزَادَهُمُ اللَّهُ That they have a marb, a sickness, a disease in their hearts. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards them. He rewards them with that which is similar to their action. They had, it was due to their sickness of hypocrisy and doubt, doubting the truth. So Allah rewards them, He punishes them, He recompenses them by increasing their sickness. And here the shaykh says, uh, this is what is mentioned by the scholars as Al-jaza'u min jins al-amal Al-jaza'u, the reward or the recompense Min jins al-amal It is similar, it is of the same type as the deed or the action that one does Here it was because of their hypocrisy and doubt in the truth Therefore their reward or their recompense is that Allah increase their doubt and, in, and increase their hypocrisy uh, after that, he says that this statement that in their hearts is a disease, so Allah increased their disease, and is a reward being like their action, more disease. He said this is their punishment in the dunya, in this world. Allah punished them in this world by increasing their doubt and their uh, hypocrisy. And he said this is similar to the saying, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning the disbelievers of Bani Israel that which is mentioned in uh, Surah As-Saf chapter 61 verse 5 the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala زاغوا, that when they turned away from the truth زاغوا, when they turned away Then Allah turned their hearts away. When they turned away from the truth, not accepting it and not believing in it, then Allah rewarded them, He recompensed them by turning their hearts away further from the truth. So the punishment, it is in accordance with the sin that they have committed. When they turned away, Allah turned them further away and Allah does not guide the sinful disobedient, rebellious people that is their reward in this world as for their reward or their punishment in the next life, it is what is mentioned in the saying of Allah at the end of this ayat وَلَهُمْ أَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ بِمَا كَانُوا يكذبون that they will have a terrible or painful punishment due to their lying, the lying that they engaged in when they claimed that they believed while in fact they did not believe then the shaykh says that what is similar to what Allah has mentioned, the story that Allah has mentioned concerning the munafiqeen in the verses of Surah Baqarah chapter 2 verses 8 through 10, similar to that which Allah has mentioned here is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning the hypocrites in Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 verse 143 al-munafiqina الْمُنَافِقِينَ Allah wa huwa That indeed the hypocrites, they seek to deceive Allah, but in fact Allah deceived them. And that is the just reward for their attempt to deceive Allah, that Allah caused them to be deceived. وَإِذَا قَامُوا إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ قَامُوا قُسَالًا And this is the description of the hypocrites, that when they stand up for prayer, they don't really believe, but they have to pretend to pray in order to deceive the people. So when they stand up for prayer, he said, قَامُوا They stand up with laziness. Yani as though they are not really feeling like they want to pray. They feel lazy. They don't want to be bothered with it. But they have to go through the motions in order to deceive the people. And they only are showing yani the people. They are making a display. They are doing it to be seen by the people. This is from the Characteristics, the sifat of the munafiqeen that they perform acts of ibadah just to be seen by the people. They don't do it sincerely for Allah, but they do it so people will see them, so people will think that they are from the believers. Yuraun al-nasa, la Allah illa qalila, and they don't remember Allah illa qalila, except a little. Their remembrance of Allah in the salat or outside of the salat, it is very little. The Salat is remembrance, but for the hypocrite, there is not much remembrance of Allah in the Salat because there is no sincerity in their Salat. Then he describes them, finally, مُذَبْذَبِينَ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ لَا إلها أُولَىٰ وَلَا ilaha هَا أولاي. Yani that they are swaying between this and that. They are not with these, the believers, nor are they with those, the disbelievers. They are going back and forth. Between them, not really being from amongst the believers, nor being from amongst the disbelievers. يُضَلِ اللَّهُ فَلَنْ تَجِلَ لَهُ سَبِيلًا And whoever Allah leads astray, after they have turned away, then Allah turns them further away. Whoever Allah leads astray, then you will never find for them a way to the straight path or to the truth. There will never be a way for them. al Saadi Rahimahullah in his tafsir of this ayah from Surah Al-Nisa chapter 4 verse 143 concerning the hypocrites he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us about the hypocrites what was their condition or what was their state the disgraceful ugliness of their characteristics and their vile character he said that that their way is that they seek to deceive Allah meaning they outwardly show al-Iman, but inwardly they conceal disbelief, kufr. Uh, and they think that this will, uh, they will get over with this. They, they can fool Allah and Allah would not know. Or that Allah would not reveal or manifest or expose them to his believers. They think that in openly showing Iman or hiding their kufr, that they will get away with it that Allah would not know it, or that Allah would not expose them to his servants, the true believers. But the fact of the matter, the reality of their condition, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deceives them uh, by simply leaving them in this condition, while they continue going on in this condition, thinking that they are deceiving someone, while in fact they are the ones who are deceived. So what greater deception is it that a person strives, a striving for something that what it returns to them or what it brings to them, their every effort only brings to them al-hawan wa'l-zil wa'l-hurman, any contempt or humiliation and disgrace and deprivation. Every effort that they make to achieve, they only achieve disgrace and they are humiliated and they are deprived and they are in contempt because of their attempt to deceive Allah and those who believe. So Allah caused them to be deceived themselves and they lose out the true loss. After this, the Shaykh, he goes on to say in the tafsir of these verses, that this alone, the fact that they are the ones who are really deceived, this is enough to indicate or to point out the defect in their intellect. The defect in the intellect of the one who attempts to deceive Allah and those who believe. Such that the defect in their intellect is so great that they have combined between two things. Al-ma'asiyah, sin or disobedience to Allah. And they see that sin as being something good. And in addition to that they have joined to it their thinking or their imagination that what they are doing it is something of intelligence. Or that it is a real successful when in fact it is no more than disobedience to Allah and it is only self-deception and they are the ones who go astray Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves leave them, abandons them the one who does so Allah abandons them and leaves them in misguidance and then also from the abandoning of them on Yawm al uh, is that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in another place in the Qur'an uh, in Surah Al-Hadid, chapter 57, verses 13 and 14, not only Allah abandoned them in this world, but He will also abandon them in the next life on Yawm al-Qiyamah. As He said, Yawm wa يقول, يقول المنافقون و المنافقات لِلَّذِينَ أَمَنُوا أُنظُرُونَ نَقتَبِسَ مِن نُورِكُم يعني yani on that day, yani the day of Qiyamah, the day of judgment, the hypocrites, believe, the hypocrites from a male and the female hypocrites, they will say to those who believe, the true believers, they will say to them, wait for us, so that we may take something from your light, the light that Allah would give to the believers on that day, in order for them to proceed. It would be said to them, return to the rear, go back. Faltamisu And take or find some light there, go back and find some light. And when they go back, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said فَضُرِبَ بَيْنَهُمْ بِسُورٍ لَهُ بَابٌ فَاطِنُهُ فِيهِ الرَّحْمَةِ وَظَاهِرُهُ مِنْ قِبَلِهِ الْعَذَابِ يُنَادُونَهُمْ أَلَمْنَكُنْ مَعْكُمْ To the end of the ayah. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would abandon them on day of qiyamah likewise. When they ask the believers for some of their life and they would be told to go back, when they go back, a wall would be placed or set up between them. A wall that has a door. And on the inside of that door would be rahmah, the mercy of Allah. And on the outside of it, where the hypocrites would be, there would be punishment. And then they would call out to the believers, were we not with you? And weren't we with you? while we cut off now? This is because of their lying and their falsehood and their claim to believe. while, well, in fact, in their hearts, was kufr or disbelief then the shaykh says concerning the ayat of Surah al-nisa concerning the hypocrites chapter 4 verse 143 that verily the hypocrites they seek to deceive Allah but it is Allah who deceives them and when they stand up for the prayer they stand up lazily يُرَاعُونَ nasa, just to be seen by the people in the prayer while they don't really want to pray and they don't remember Allah except a little He said concerning these verses that these are from amongst the sifat or the characteristics of the hypocrites. That when they stand up for prayer and the salat, the prayer is of the greatest and the most important of acts of obedience to Allah. The actions that a person does in obedience to Allah, the greatest of them is is a salat. However, the hypocrites when they stand up for this great act of ibadah, they stand up lazily as though it is a heavy burden and they are fidgeting because of the Salat that they have to perform while they have no desire to be there. They are not sincere in their Salat. So the laziness, this laziness that is seen in their Salat, he said that this is due to the loss of interest because they have no interest or no desire uh, in their heart to perform this prayer. So if the heart If it wasn't that the heart was empty of raqba or interest or inclination or desire to turn to Allah and to achieve or to reach that which Allah has for the true believers, the reward that he has. If it were not for their heart being empty from this desire to achieve what Allah has for the believers and if it were not for the fact that their heart was empty from iman, if it wasn't so, then... This laziness that is displayed in their prayer would never have been there. Concerning the saying Yura'un an Nas" that they only pray to be seen by the people, he said, "In this way, uh, that which is within, this, that which is their secrets or their inner being, uh, it is exposed, it is brought out, it is exhibited, and the people see it." Uh, and this and this is the source, I and mean, that which is in their heart is the source of their actions. And since it is not sincere, then it is not seen as true worship, but it is seen as laziness. The one who doesn't want to engage in such an act, which they do only to be seen by the people, their intention or their hope is just that they would be seen by the people and that they would be admired and that they would be respected while they are not performing such an act sincerely for Allah alone. Then the Shaykh says, also from their sifat is the saying in these verses, يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا That they don't remember Allah except a little. That is because their heart is full of riyah. Any ostentation or showing off. Their heart is full of riyah. So they only do it to be seen by the people. Therefore the remembrance of Allah and the salat for them is very little. Indeed, the remembrance of Allah and that which goes with it, it will not be except in the heart of a believer whose heart is full of the love of Allah and the greatness of Allah. The remembrance of Allah and that which accompanies it, it will only be in the heart of the believer who has in his heart the love of Allah and the ta'zim or the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The final characteristic of the hypocrites and the first of them being their laziness in the Salat and the second of them being their desire to be seen by the people and the third of them being that they remember Allah little. The fourth characteristic of the hypocrites is in the end of this ayat la wa la That they are swaying or going back before, between these and those. They are not with the believers and they are not with the disbelievers but they are in between going back and forth. indecisively going between the party of the believers and the party of the disbelievers. So they are not with the believers inwardly and outwardly and they are with the believers only with the outer show and they are not with the disbelievers inwardly and outwardly. They are only with the disbelievers secretly in their heart. So they have given their inner selves their real true intention, it is with the disbelievers, while they have given their outer selves to the believers, showing, i.e. trying to pretend to be from amongst them. So what, uh, is, what could be a greater any, uh, uh, misguidance than the one who is neither with these nor with those, but lost in between? Then the shaykh says, as for the end of this ayat, وَمَيُّذِلِ اللَّهُ فَلَنْ تَجِلَ لَهُ That whoever Allah leads astray you will not find a way for that one. It means that you would not find a way to guide them. Nor would you find a way to uh, cause them or to make them to leave their misguidance. You will not find a way for them because the door of mercy is closed upon them. They have exchanged it uh, with the curse of Allah because of their deception. And they are lying and hypocrisy. Then the Sheikh says that these blameworthy characteristics, uh, drawing attention to the characteristics of the hypocrites, it is a way of identifying or indicating that the believers, the true believers, are described with the opposite characteristics. From the characteristics of the hypocrites and if the believers are described with صدر, truthfulness and ikhlas sincerity inwardly and outwardly and they don't hide or hold back their uh, activeness in their salat and in their acts of worship and in their remembrance of Allah often and much and indeed these characteristics the, the blameworthy characteristics of the hypocrites also uh, Uh, they draw our attention to the fact that it is the true believers who are guided while the hypocrites are misguided and the true believers are given the success of being guided to the straight way while the hypocrites are left astray and lost. Therefore, every sane and sensible, intelligent person should consider these two matters. The condition of the hypocrites and the condition of of the true believers and choose which of them is best for him wallahu musta'an this is the end of the tafsir of this verse of shaykh Abdul rahman al-Sa'adi then the shaykh closes with the discussion of the final evidence the third proof of al-imam Muhammad al Wahhab, the hadith uh, that he mentioned on the authority of Mu'ad ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu and that hadith he has mentioned in brief and here Yani Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab has mentioned this. the main part of that hadith which is the shahid or the point of reference or the proof for our topic of discussion. And here Shaykh Ubayd al-Jabari, uh, Allah, mentions the uh, story behind this hadith or that which, the circumstances under which that statement was made. And he says that it is reported by a shaykhain al al-shaykh al-Bukhari and Muslim in the narration of Anas from Muadh ibn Jabal radiyallahu anhumah and the wording of this hadith is from Bukhari that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said ya Muadh he said to Muadh while Muadh was riding on his animal his riding animal with him he was riding behind him yani the Prophet sallallahu sallam and Muadh were riding together the Prophet in the front sallallahu alayhi wa and Muadh behind him radiyallahu anhu in that condition the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam while they were alone they, they were, they, it was only the two of them and there was no one with them the Prophet sallallahu wasallam said Ya Mu'az ibn Jabal O Mu'az ibn Jabal and Mu'az radiyallahu anhu said labaik ya Rasulullah wa sa'adiq. he said I respond to your call and I am obedient to your order labaik ya Rasulullah wa sa'adiq. order me I am listening he said Ya Mu'az and Mu'az again said labaik ya Rasulullah wa sa'adik until he said that three times, yani the Prophet ﷺ wanted to say something very important to Mu'adh and he called him so many times in order to get his full attention for him to understand that the matter was very important. At that moment, between the two of them, when there was no one with them, the Prophet ﷺ said to Mu'adh this statement, مَا مِنْ أَحَدٍ and أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إلا اللَّهِ, وأن محمد رسول الله صدقا من قلبه إلا حرمه الله على that there is no one who testifies that there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم is the messenger of Allah صدقا من قلبه truthfully, sincerely from his heart except that Allah would prohibit the fire from touching him Mu'adh رضي الله said يا رسول الله أفلا أخبر به الناس فيستبشروا he said, O Messenger of Allah, shall I not inform the people of this statement that you have made so that they would be pleased, so that they would have the good tidings, the bushra, the good news, a paradise for those who make this statement of shahada sincerely, i.e. Yani truthfully from their heart. The Prophet ﷺ said, If you did so, if you were to inform them of such, then they would depend on it. i.e. Yani meaning that they would rely on that alone. They would feel that as long as I have said the shahada truthfully sidqan min kalbi from my heart then I am guaranteed to enter the paradise and they might not strive to do the good deeds that are necessary along with the imam that is in the heart. Then uh, uh, after that Mu'adh knew that the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't want him to tell the people because he knew that if the people were told such, they might rely on it. So he only wanted to inform Mu'adh of that. That was something that he told him. Because he knew that he wouldn't misunderstand it and he would act appropriately. And yani he would take it as good news and he would still strive and struggle to earn the reward of Allah by doing the good deeds that are required of the believers. In the end of the narration of this hadith, he, said, he says, the narrator says, تأثومن. يعني that Mu'adh ibn Jabal أنه, didn't inform the people as he understood the Prophet وسلم, didn't want him to inform them however he only informed the people at the time of his death and just before dying he told that hadith and he said that was out of fear that he might be uh, engaging in sin by holding back or concealing the knowledge يعني كتمان العلم He feared that if he kept this knowledge to himself and didn't inform anybody and died with it, then he might have fallen into sin, the sin of concealing or hiding knowledge. Therefore, just before his death, he informed about it, he narrated that hadith so that it has now come to us. Uh, The shahid or the point of reference from this hadith is the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, Sidqan. And yani whoever makes this statement of la ilaha illallah wa Muhammad Rasulullah Truthfully from his heart This is the point of the hadith that supports our claim That from the shuruath of la ilaha illallah In order for it to be accepted The person has to say it with sidq With truthfulness from their heart And whoever does so Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will prohibit the fire from touching them Al-Hafiz ibn al Rahimahullah, in his shah Sahih al-Bukhari, he says concerning the use of this word, Sidqan, that whoever makes this statement, Sidqan, truthfully, he said that this is a way of excluding the shahada of the munafiq. The Prophet wasallam used this word, that the people will be protected from the fire, whoever said, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, Sidqan min qalbihi, he said in this way he has excluded from this, hadith and from the reward promised to the people who make such a statement he has excluded the shahada or the testimony of the munafiq because the munafiq he doesn't make this statement sitqa, truthfully from his heart but he makes it kathiban, lying he makes it lying so in this way it was a protection uh, or a, an exclusion of the hypocrites from that which the Prophet wasallam mentioned in this hadith so then the Shaykh. Uh, Ubaid al-Jabari Allah, he says uh, that from this it becomes clear the agreement between this hadith and what has been reported by the author al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab of the previous ayat. and yani the agreement between this hadith and those ayats is in the fact that this hadith and those ayats reject the shahada or the testimony of the one who does not join the statement on his tongue of la ilaha illallah with i'tiqad or belief in the heart. And yani whoever doesn't join these two together just saying it on the tongue it is not sufficient. But one has to join with that statement on the tongue sincere belief in the heart and indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has rejected the statement of the munafiqeen from their tongue who testified to the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu الله عليه he rejected their saying even though they clearly testified to the prophethood or the messengership of the prophet Muhammad وسلم, And that was the reason why Allah has rejected them and called them liars. He called them liars when they said what they said. Even though what they said was true. They said that the prophet وسلم is the messenger of Allah. But Allah said they are liars. Why did Allah say they are liars? It is because they were only saying it on their tongue. But the lie was what was in their heart. what was on the tongue was true but what was in the heart was false for this reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Munafiqeen chapter 63 verse 1 إِذَا جَاءَكَ الْمُنَافِقُونَ قَالُوا نَشْهَدُ إِنَّكَ لَرَسُولُ اللَّهِ that when the hypocrites come to you meaning the Prophet وسلم, when they come to you they say نَشْهَدُ إِنَّكَ لَرَسُولُ اللَّهِ we bear witness that definitely إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ يعني yani the hypocrites they said that we definitely bear witness that you are the messenger of Allah and Allah knows وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ Allah knows that you are his messenger however Allah denies them and say that they are liars وَاللَّهُ يَشْحَدُ Allah testifies إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ لكاذبون. they are liars yani يعني the kathif of the munafiq in this statement is that which is in the heart while what they said on the tongue is true but it is rejected if that which is on the tongue is not in accord with that which is in the heart. Then it is kadid. Uh Finally, the Shaykh closes by mentioning two benefits that may be derived from the hadith. In addition to what has been mentioned about this hadith previously, he said that from amongst the benefits or the fawaid that may be derived from this hadith is the permissibility of takhsis al-muallam وَبَعَدَ بِمَسَائِلْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ دُونَ الْآخِرِينَ إِذَا عَدَمْ لَهَا that it is permissible for the teacher to single out some of his students for certain issues of knowledge to the exclusion of other of his students if he fears that they will not understand such issues yani he can take some of his students and teach them something that he doesn't teach the others if he fears that the others will not understand it as the Prophet ﷺ has given this knowledge to Mu'adh and he didn't say it to the generality of the people and this idea of takhseis al-mu'allam biba'ad talamidhi that the teacher will select some of his students to the exclusion of others is, has been mentioned in the chapter heading by al-imam al-bukhari rahimahullah in this way he said "Bab man khassa ilmi qawman dun Kiraahiyyat an la yafhamu Yani al-imam al-bukhari entitled the chapter-heading Bab the chapter the one who singles out for knowledge some people to the exclusion of others for fear or yani, yani, of him taking precaution from the possibility that they might not understand it Kiraahiyyat, yani detesting Yani to give this knowledge to those who might not understand it. So this is a legitimate position that the teacher might uh, exclude some of the students from certain issues of knowledge that they might not understand and give it to others who the teacher feels would understand it. And the second and the last point that he mentions from this hadith, the point that may be derived from it is a qaida or a general principle in Islam which is of great importance that the Muslims should understand. And it is anna... دَرْعَ الْمَفَاسِدْ مُقَدَّمْ عَلَى جَلْبَ الْمَصَالِحِ that uh, pushing away benefits yani preventing uh, harm, preventing المفاسد harmful things takes precedence over trying to achieve uh, beneficial things if there is a conflict in a certain action that one may do it might bring some harm and it might also achieve some benefit, then preventing the benefit has precedence over achieving the benefit and the details of this rule have been mentioned by some of the scholars from amongst them, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al in his book, The Menhaj of Ahl al-Sunnu wa al Amal. in that book he discussed this principle in some detail and he said that this is not an absolute rule not in every case but it is in the case where the harm is equal to the benefit or where the harm is greater than the benefit then the person should not engage in that thing, giving preference to preventing the harm, as opposed to engaging in that thing to get the benefit along with it coming equal harm or greater harm, in that case it should not be done. And if the harm is equal or greater, then the person should not do that action. However, if the benefit is greater, then it is permissible to engage in that which might bring some harm, if the benefit is actually greater than the harm. Otherwise, the general principle here is that preventing harm takes precedence, but that is in the condition where the harm and the benefit are equal or where the harm is greater than the benefit. And what determines harm and benefit? It is the shara' or the sharia, the Islamic law, the Qur'an and the sunnah, and it is not the intellect or the mind. uh, And also uh, the establishment of clear, decisive proof from the Qur'an and sunnah. What determines what is harmful? or what is beneficial, it is the clear decisive proofs from the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Uh, So, and this is something, uh, the shaykh says that this is something, it is an extremely important matter which many of the people have overlooked. Wallahu musta'an. This is the end of what we wanted to present. Uh, And just quickly to look at the questions with the handout. The first of those questions, uh, it is discuss the fourth condition of Allah Allah and mention the previous shurūt briefly. The fourth condition, it is the condition of a siddq, truthfulness, that siddq which nullifies or negates kezib, lying, and which prevents an nifaq, hypocrisy. The previous conditions are al-ilm wal-yaqeen wal-ikhlas, yani Having knowledge of the meaning of la ilaha illallah, what it confirms and what it negates, certainty meaning having complete and perfect knowledge which allows no doubt, and ikhlas, yani sincerity which nullifies the possibility of shirk. Mention a dalil or evidence from the Quran for this sharf. Uh, the Sheikh has mentioned two. The first of them is from Surah Al-Ankabut, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Lam أحسب الناس آمنا الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ مِنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا الْكَاذِبِينَ And the point in this ayat which is of importance is that Allah would test the people when they say they believe and he will make known those who are sad, truthful, and he will distinguish them from those who are كَاذِب, lying. The other proof that he mentioned is from Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verses 8, 9, and 10. In the end of that ayat he said that the people, the hypocrites, they would be punished because of their kathir, because of their lying yani when they claim to believe the third question mention a delil or evidence from the sunnah for this shart or this condition and that is the hadith of Mu'ad in which the prophet ﷺ said that no one would testify to this statement of <laughs> truthfully from his heart except that Allah would prevent the fire from touching him question number four discuss the verse do people think that they will be left alone because they say we believe and would not be tested? Yani the important thing of this ayat is that people would not be left alone on claiming just by saying اَيَّقُولُوا اي آمَنَّا وَلَا يُفْتَنُونَ yani Nobody would be left alone just by saying on their tongue they believe except that they will have to be tested to confirm the sincerity or the truthfulness, the صدق of their claim. Number five, give an example of how the earlier believers were tested. And from amongst them, the Bani Israel, they were tested by many hardships and harms that came from Fir'aun. And the Prophet ﷺ also mentioned those who were killed, the people of the ditch who were thrown in the fire, the people whose bodies were soared in half, and so on. Discuss the sickness or disease mentioned in the verse in their hearts is a disease in Surah Baqarah. Yani, uh, yani, The meaning of this disease, it is nifaq hypocrisy or a sheikh, doubt, doubting the truth. Uh, what is question number seven, what is meant by Al Jazaw min jins al amal? It means that the recompense or the reward that one would receive would be similar or like the amal, the action that one engaged in. Uh, as Allah wa ta'ala said, Al جزاء الإحسان إلا الإحسان is there any reward for doing good except good? Yani Al min jins al amal it means whoever does good then the reward will be good, it will be like it, it will be similar to it. And whoever does evil, the reward will be accordingly. Question number 8 mentioned the sifat or characteristics of the munafikun mentioned in Surah Al-Nisa. Chapter 4, verse 143. The first of them is laziness in their prayer. The second of them is ar-riya, ostentation yani doing the prayer or whatever they do of worship just to be seen by men. The third of them is their... Uh, remembrance of Allah is very little Qaleel dhikrillah And the fourth of them Is that they go back and forth Between the believers and disbelievers Neither being from this party Nor that party And these are the sifat that a true believer Should be careful of and avoid at all costs. Number 9 What can be derived from the words There's none who testifies truthfully From his heart As al hafiz ibn Hajj al said These words Sidqan min qalbihi It is to indicate that this shahada is only acceptable from the person who says it truthfully and this excludes those who lie when they say it, meaning the munafikun. and the last question mentioned two benefits that are derived from the hadith of muadh bin Jabal anhu. the first of them is al-ilm yani that the teacher might give some knowledge especially to some of the students to the exclusion of others yani for the sake of protecting those who he thinks might not understand it is not to give preference to some over others without any reason, but it is with a reason. Because if the teacher fears that some will not understand the issue, then he should exclude those who will not understand because people should be taught in accordance with that which they can understand. And the second of them uh, is the principle of giving preference to, to preventing harm over achieving uh, that which is beneficial. Preventing harm takes precedence that preventing harmful matters has precedence should be given preference over seeking or achieving beneficial things when there's a conflict between them and as long as the harm is equal to the benefit one should avoid engaging in that thing while if the harm is less than the benefit. The benefit is greater than there is no harm in engaging it. Wallahu wa bihamdika. an la ilaha illa anta wa If there are any questions or comments or corrections, we can take a few questions. Hi, if the sisters have any questions, please ask.